0: The Hornets lose both games over the weekend. How does that affect how they'll operate at the trade deadline this week, coming up on Thursday? Plus, how does a big star trade affect what the Hornets will do? We'll talk about all of that today on Locked On Hornets. You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, we live. We live. We live. Thanks for joining us on Locked on Hornets and making us your first listen. We're free and available anywhere you get your podcast. That includes YouTube, by the way. You can follow us on Twitter at Locked on Hornets as well. If you want to follow our social account, did want to remind you that this episode is brought to you by Price Picks. Price Picks been a partner with us for quite a while now and here's how it works. You can pick uh, about 2 to 6 players and then you can uh, have an int- uh, a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code locked on if those players score more or less than prize pick projections that's PrizePicks.com. Mm. promo code locked on yes very cool prize picks that's doug branson giving you the interesting noise there every hornets that's his <laughs> sub stack <laughs> i walker mail catch me on wfnc from 12 to 3 p.m doug it's deadline week baby are you yeah, ready for it yeah
1: let's do it i'm oh, ready Man, my body i mean ready. It's uh, the,
0: the the question is, will he do something? It's, it's something we've been asking for quite some time. Will Mitch Kupchak actually pull the trigger? We did see that Zach Lowe in his 10 things column that featured the Charlotte Hornets. He did say in that article that the Hornets are listening to a deal on every single veteran available. So it's exactly how it should be. They're listening to all potential trade <laughs> options outside of LaMelo ball. Now they did. Zach didn't say outside Lamelo, but we know what it is. So yeah, man. Yeah. I mean, we'll see if they pull this, uh pull the trade off. They have not done anything that crazy big since Mitch Kupchak has come aboard in midseason. We'll get to some of the, you know, we'll get to the Kyrie Irving stuff. We'll also dive into this weekend if the keys theory still applies here with Steve Clifford. We'll get to all of that. But trade deadline, Doug. What what is your what is your, I guess, feeling right now as if to the Mitch Kupchak and the Charlotte Hornets will actually do something uh, compared to the last couple of seasons?
1: Well, they're, the, they're apparently they're the Fraser Crane of the NBA at this point. They're listening, okay? They're listening. Wow. I don't. Does, does, does that mean that they're going to do something? I don't know at this point. I mean, again, I don't have any evidence to lean back on when it comes to this front office. All I can think is, is that this season is such a unique season, not, not only within just like this regime, but within, I think, Hornets history, this is a really unique uh, situation in terms of uh, the talent that they have that would actually be attractive to teams contending, the number of teams that want to contend this season, the expectations for this season being a little weird at the jump, uh, but then all of those expectations being shattered by a number of injuries again that I just don't recall in Hornets history, and and I'm a good study of that history, and I just, I mean, yeah, there have been seasons, especially when you look back at the original Hornets run, seasons where they had major playoff expectations, and then one or two guys like Anthony Mason gets injured and throws a wrench into those whole plans. There weren't those kind of expectations for this season, but. They, they didn't really even have the possibility of surprising people this season because of the number of rotation players they've had out. And then you, you hire a coach that used to be your coach and that isn't going well oh. and you re-sign a guy in Cody Martin and that guy doesn't play. Like It's just such a unique season and I think it all sort of comes back around to this organization is being forced, their hand is being forced at this point to, to reset the dial on everything.
0: So let's talk about Kyrie and his movement, because it blows up over the weekend. We get news on Friday. We broke it on the 12 to 3 show, and Kyrie demands a trade. Or he requests a trade is the right word, but it looked like all intents and purposes that he demanded a trade. So he demands <laughs> that's, like, that's like, money. <laughs>
1: that's like someone walking into the convenience store with a handgun and saying, I would, I'd I like to request all of the money in your, uh, right. in your uh, cashier's box there. What do you call that? That's
0: right. Kyrie Irving went into the Brooklyn Nets convenience store and said that I would like all of the money and uh, you're not going to give it to me. So send me somewhere that is going to give it to me. And sure enough, Dallas Mavericks, they're willing to pay at least the last part of this contract. Now he's going to be a free agent. That's really neither here nor there. The real question is because of Kyrie's um, trade to Dallas, the Nets, they get Spencer Dinwiddie. They get Dorian Finney Smith. They get a first round pick. And they get, I think, multiple second round picks. But really, I'm interested in how this affects the Hornet. Because just, just because there were going to be those questions as to, does it make sense to go after Kyrie? Like that, that, that would have happened had he still been available. We did this show and, and he had not been traded yet. We would have had, have had to have answered that question. The answer is no. Like I looked at all like why, why it would make sense, why it wouldn't make sense. I couldn't find any reason as to why Charlotte should go after Kyrie Irving. The only reason it would make sense is if you were part of a three-team trade that facilitated a deal for someone to try to make salaries match, but it didn't make sense to go after Kyrie. But Doug, this does affect the Charlotte Hornets in one way, and I know that's something you were talking about pre-show. How does it affect Charlotte?
1: Actually, now I've thought of multiple ways this will affect Charlotte because This opens up the possibility of a Lakers trade still, because if the Lakers acquire Kyrie, then there would obviously be no interest from the Lakers in a Terry Rozier or a Kelly Oubre. But there's another team in the Phoenix Suns that has also been sniffing around some players for uh, the Charlotte Hornets, including Jalen McDaniels. But now that Kyrie's out of Brooklyn, there have been reports that Phoenix is now sniffing around Kevin Durant to say, hey, Brooklyn, if you want to blow everything up, we would listen to you know to an offer to bring Kevin Durant to Phoenix to to you know restart their uh, finals contention. Uh, so I think this this really will send ripple effects not just for the Charlotte Hornets but for multiple teams that were having discussions. Like all of this opens up different possibilities. But I think there are two Western Conference teams in the Lakers and Suns that you know this this will affect conversations that it, that may have happened you know with the Charlotte Hornets
0: yeah no I, I i agree with you essentially if we want to put uh, an overall statement above it how it affects the hornets it's the fact that a couple of teams you expected to contend will get more desperate because now you have yeah. stars like the star of stars and lebron james tweeting out well maybe it's me the fact that the lakers didn't go after uh, kyrie irving someone that we had known had been linked to that team quite some time so did the <laughs> lakers get more desperate and it does seem like they were willing to part with a couple first round picks and and some change there, but eventually didn't fall through. And Nets owner, Joe Josiah, did not want Kyrie to go to the Lakers because that's what Kyrie wanted. It looks like there's some of that going on. Um, and you, you're you right about Phoenix. I, I didn't want to focus on the Suns, believe it or not, a little bit more so than the Lakers, because Chris Haynes put out there that he put out this tweet Brooklyn Nets received Lakers proposal that did include the team's two first round picks 27 and 29 first round picks and the Phoenix sun's offer included Chris Paul Jay Crowder and unspecified picks but Chris Paul is the guy I mean Doug it's what we theorized not too long ago that if Mm -hmm. Chris Paul was available it might make sense in some potential Terry Rozier trade Rogier has been playing a lot better in the last month and a half month and some change last night, Steve Clifford credits, Terry Rogier for being the guy that was on pace for a monster game gets double teamed. It opens up everything else for the offense. So Phoenix, you're right. Like it Lakers, you could see getting more desperate, but now if Phoenix can't get Kevin Durant, then maybe they get a little more desperate and they're willing to deal with Chris Paul and whatever for Terry Rozier, and of course it has to make sense for the Hornets, but what do you think about the the bigger possibility there with Chris Paul, your boy coming back home?
1: Well, I don't know that he's my boy. I mean, I don't know why he's my boy. But I'll say this about You <laughs> will see if he's ab- a Hornet. Well I guess, yeah. Then he become yeah, anyone that, you know, is wears the purple and teal is okay with me. But uh on the Terry Rozier front, Clifford not only credited him with the great start, I really like, and I'm not This is not what Clifford said, but it is kind of what he said, which is like Terry Rozier against Orlando was really the only guy that gave a damn. You know, like he's the only guy that's like fighting for these wins. And so if you take that away from the Hornets, you really rip their guts out. You really rip their heart out. And so if you are like fully on the tank board, if you are a tankanista, then that's the one guy. It's not Kelly Oubre. It's not Mason Plumlee. It's none of these other guys that we've been talking. It really is if you want to remove the Hornets' chance of not being in the, in the absolute basement of the NBA with that 14% chance at Victor Webin-Yama, then you really want to do everything you can to trade Terry Rozier because he is the heart and soul of this team and all of that sounds really dirty to talk about and like you know all you know th- talking about taking their competitiveness away but look that's that's the reality and i also think walker that if you do that and you can get a great return you know for that I think that's great for the Hornets, but I also think it would force some other players. I think other players lean on Terry for that sometimes. I think it would force other players like LaMelo Ball to step up and say, okay, now it's me.
0: Yeah, and well, and and Chris Paul, I don't know if that would be the way to completely lose all the games as much as possible, right? Because Chris Paul is a floor raiser despite his age, even so I don't know if that would happen for Chris, but you're right, like Terry was credited by Steve Clifford, you know, he say even both ways, he credited not only his offense, but defense, how how much, how hard he was playing out there. So you're right about that. I did want to include this conversation going into the next segment and then touch on this weekend's game coming up next on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. Don't go to sleep on the hornets just yet if terry rozier was given all of this credit what do we make of Lamelo balls weekend the bench the uh, keys away theory steve clifford does that still apply for the head coach do you need to take the keys away from him in order to still lose we'll get to all of that in just a moment this episode is brought to you by prize picks prize picks is a fantasy app that You can pick two to six players, and if they score more or less than their prize picks projection, you can win up to 25 times your money on any entry. There's no competing against other people. It's just you versus the projections available. They offer projections on any sport you watch. It includes the NBA, the NFL, the MLB, college men's and women's basketball, soccer, WNBA, eSport. Cricket, disc golf, yeah, I'm going through a lot of sports, but they offer a lot of options. They even offer more than I just mentioned. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. You have safe and fast withdrawals as well. And they're currently operational in over 30 states and even Canada. Download the Picks app. Or go to prizepicks.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code LOCKED ON. If you deposit $100, PrizePicks gives you 100 If you deposit 50 they give you 50 You get the idea. Don't forget to enter promo code LOCKED ON at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. More Locked On Hornets coming up next. This is Locked on Hornets. To start this off, we all know about LeBron and how he built a school and it got a lot of fanfare. By the time 2019 closes, Bismack Biombo is
1: planning to have six schools. Take that, LeBron. It's time for
0: more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. All right, uh, going into the weekend... The Hornets were 15 and 38 and now they're 15 and 40 playing Mm. a couple games that featured teams towards the bottom of the Eastern Conference standings. It included Mm. one team that was actually below them in the Eastern Conference standings and still are, by the way, in the Detroit Pistons, the Orlando Magic, you know, a handful of games above them, but they did lose at home. It was the first home game that they had in a while. They're back on the road. They'll be playing Washington and then Boston. And then I believe they play 17 of the next 25 games at home. It is a lot of spectrum center games. And it's because they've played more road games than anybody in the NBA to this point, which is certainly a part of the struggles they've experienced this season. Before we dive into the game, my question is, because they lose to the Pistons, because they lose to Orlando, we started to get a little worried about them winning too many games. If you are a tank in these, as you call them, right? Because at the end of the day, there's not a great shot of getting Wimby, but you give yourself more of a shot. If you are a part of the three worst teams in the NBA, and if you Mm -hmm. are the fifth worst team, and do you want to have those higher odds or do you want to win a couple more games and not get into the play in because you believe those few wins will lead to a better culture? I'm going to subscribe to getting closer to a number one overall pick. That's just my theory. But they got there without trading anybody. They got there with Steve Clifford still coaching the team as healthy as they've been. You know, Cody Martin is not going to be healthy this season. That's just how it is at this point. Are you worried about that anymore? Like, does the keys theory still apply here with Steve Clifford, um, even if they just don't do anything at the deadline and the roster is uh, just as it has been this entire season?
1: No, I think the plot has been lost at this point for the Charlotte Hornets. I don't know that this particular group, as it's constructed, is really – it believes that the plan that is being set forth for them – they obviously don't believe that it's it's good enough to actually go out there and execute because they're not playing physically. They're not playing with a lot of urgency at this point against two teams in, in Detroit and, and the Magic that, you know, you – at least have are are on equal footing talent wise, and I think arguably have you know more talent certainly than Detroit, and you know maybe a little bit more talent just across the board than the Magic. It's a t- it's a tough matchup the Magic because they do play so big, uh, but yeah, I mean I don't you know I listen to Steve Clifford after the Magic game and after the Detroit game, and it just sounds like a guy who has just run out of things to say at this point because I think he's said everything. You know, he's laid out his vision for the team. He's laid out what what he thinks will allow this team to win basketball games. Sometimes the team has responded to that and and surprised because I mean if you look back at this season, there are a number of good wins for this team where this team performed well above expectations and snuck up on playoff level teams and beat them. So it's not as if it doesn't exist. It's just I'm now confident that it wouldn't happen consistently enough. I think to ruin uh, their, their sort of top three odds at this point, which is totally surprising to me because again, I look at the roster despite the couple of injuries that they have to Ubre and Martin. And I thought, yeah, this is a team that's good enough to beat, you know, Detroit and Orlando. It's crazy.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The, the fact that they lost to those teams, that that that's what's surprising here. And Maybe not surprising, but you get the idea. So so look, Lamelo 33 points, eight rebounds, six assists against the Orlando Magic. If you look at what he did against Detroit, I'm trying to bring up that exact box score right now, but Lamelo Ball has been playing better. The shooting percentage isn't phenomenal. It wasn't against Detroit, but he did have 23, eight and eight. Also had five steals. He has nine steals in the last two games. What have you made of Lamelo Ball's uh, performance the last two contests?
1: Well, he's been great in the second half. I think it's been crazy how much he's struggled since he's, his latest return in the first half. And you you would look at the box scores you know, across his return and go, wow, he's, he's playing super well. But so much of it is coming in the third quarter and fourth quarter. So here are the numbers. In the first half, since his latest return, he is shooting 31.6% from the field on nine and a half attempts. On almost six three-point attempts in the first half, he's shooting twenty-six point five percent. So, the, like to me, those numbers are are pretty crazy when you consider again how he's finishing these games. He's looked more aggressive in the second half, but I think there is it, it's a strange thing, and I think it's something that would even itself out over time. Uh, but certainly, they've had to depend on. Mason Plumlee having a good start on Terry Rozier shooting well in the first half. Because if they don't get some of those things to happen, Gordon's not being aggressive at all. He, he's really, I mean, he had like a, a, a perfect game from the field, but he wasn't shooting a ton. He sort of, I guess, fully devolved into this Nick Batum role. So, like, if you don't have a couple of those things happen in the first half, you're looking at potential blowout city because LaMelo hasn't been able to turn it on until the third and the fourth quarter. It's been really strange to watch.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, and, and if you look at what the Hornets have done defensively, it's been really bad, too. I mean, oh, against yeah, Detroit, man. you give up 118 against Orlando, you give up 119. I mean, Doug, against Orlando, there was a stretch where they gave up three straight open corner threes, wide yeah. open corner threes. And that was in the middle portion. I don't remember if it was third or, or I think it was third quarter, um, maybe second. But I mean, it's like, OK, the one of the more most valuable shots in all of basketball and you're just giving wide open corner threes and I think they drained all of them if I'm not mistaken. I think they got nine points there. And so it was just atrocious man like that's just how it is watching defensively how this Charlotte Hornets team performs. It's what Steve Cliff has talked about, you know, quite a bit the lack of physicality against Orlando. They were out rebounded pretty heavily. So um, the Charlotte Hornets only got 39 total rebounds. The Hornets got and, and the Magic got 52 offensively. The Magic got 18 offensive rebounds and the Hornets only got eight. Uh, it, Steve talks about that, right? He said that against Detroit. He said that against Orlando. It's defense, it's lack of rebounding, and it killed them. Against Chicago, he, he credited rebounding. That, that is a recurring theme as the Hornets continue to lose games.
1: Well, rebounding is physicality rebounding as Clifford would say is about hitting the guy first it's a it's it's urgency and physicality it's I want this basketball more than you and I'm willing to put my body on the line to to get it and they just didn't have that against Orlando and Orlando took advantage because they already had the size advantage even without Mo Bamba who was suspended for (laughs) trying to fight Austin Rivers in the tunnel like even without Mo Bamba they still had enough size Wendell Carter Jr just absolutely manhandled Mason Plumlee, inside and out. Just had Mm -hmm. them all confused. If you look later in that game again, the big story from that Orlando game was the free throw line at the end of the game. They had a chance to get themselves. They lost the lead. They had a they had a lead in the fourth quarter. They lost that, but they still had a chance to come back. Had they just hit their free throws? JT Thor went one of four. Mason Plumley, uh, two trips to the line, zero of four in those trips. And I think it's all we talked about. Mason Plumley's free throw shooting. It's all about confidence. And I think by that fourth quarter, because of how Wendell Carter Jr. played. His confidence was totally shot. He had no chance at hitting those, uh, hitting those uh, free throws. So yes, it is about physicality for the Charlotte Hornets. They don't have it naturally, and unfortunately, Clifford hasn't really been able to inspire them enough. You know to find that extra gear to get those to secure those rebounds because it was it was offensive rebound putbacks. It was offensive rebounds that got kicked out for threes. It's been killing them all year. It killed them against the Magic. The Magic are a team sort of like the Hornets were last year, where they don't really have enough talent to compete, but they've got enough want to.
0: Well, and, and they're a bad matchup for Charlotte as well. I mean, they're big all across the yeah. board. Even Markel Fultz is a big point guard, right? Like LaMelo. Well, I mean, Bancaro killed oh, McDaniels awesome.
1: too. Like Jay, We've been lauding Jalen McDaniels. I think other teams see the potential for his defense. But, you, but I think what you saw there in that game was the limitations of Jalen McDaniels in terms of being able to put him on a player that is sort of the best offensive player on the team and and lock him down. He, he really can't do that, especially a guy like Paolo that has the size. And they were throwing double and triple teams at Paolo at one point, and Paolo yeah. was just passing out, hitting the cutter. That guy's super t- – Like that to it's me, Paolo is the argument to go after Wimby because Paolo has turned Orlando into a nothing team into a something team, and that's what Wimby or Scoot would do for Charlotte.
0: One, Paolo did not shoot well at all, but you're right. The talent is still there. He got to the free throw line a million times, made 10 of his 11 free throw attempts. And so uh, the, the shooting wasn't there, but you're right. I mean, the talent, what's crazy is how tall he is. I mean, when, when you see him in the post and then you see him next to Mason Plumley, and they look like they're the same size, except that Paolo is out here running point, like point center, it's crazy. And it, it goes back to that, that draft. Um, where they show him next to Chet Holmgren and then David Robinson is there and everybody was like, whoa, Chet's a couple of inches taller than David Robinson. That's insane. Where I was yeah. paying attention to Palo, who's right there with David. I'm like, guys, are you not seeing Palo as, <laughs> as tall as David Robinson? I mean, I get it. Chet Holmgren, center, crazy. Palo, look, look at Bancaro. It was nuts. Um, okay, a couple of other things we can get to there and then just finish out the show with Doug's notebook coming up next on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. Don't
1: go to sleep on the Hornets just yet.
0: Maybe give you a few other trade deadline things. Zach Lowe also mentioned another thing about LaMelo's defense. And then uh, we can get to the schedule ahead, two more road games. And then the Hornets are going to be playing at home quite a bit. We'll talk about the effect on Charlotte that way. This episode is brought to you by Belt Bar. If you're looking for a delicious treat, but don't want all of the fat, if you don't want all the calories, then you got to try a Belt Bar. Belt Bar is so good. And well, for starters, the reason they're so good is because they're covered in 100% real chocolate. They come in unbelievable flavors as well. Churro, peanut butter brownie, coconut almond. There's a lot of coconut variations that are excellent, a part of Built Bar. But they have high protein, they have high fiber, and they're low in calories and they're low in sugar. Plus, you can head to your nearest Walmart today. You can walk to the pharmacy section and grab yourself a box of Built Bars. You can pick up a four-bar box, or if you're close to a Sam's Club, you can run in and grab a 13-bar box with their Hit Flavors Brownie Batter Churro. I just mentioned that. A couple of other great ones. You can thank me later. later. So big thanks to Built Bar for always supporting the network. We'll be back with one more segment on Lockdown on Hornets. Is locked on Hornets. Mitch Kupchak will he do the thing that he has not done in season? This anything?
1: Time? The thing that he has not done it is always anything. Comes back
0: to do something.
1: Just do do one
0: thing. You need to get a stick from outside and become the meme in person <laughs> because hey, that, it that it always comes back to do something.
1: Do something.
0: <laughs> it's time for more of the Locked On Hornets podcast. I don't know why it hit me different there, but that last do something that is so just begging you, you were, you were defeated.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Do something. I think uh, Walker, I think you and I, I don't know if you're free. I don't know what your radio schedule is like, but I think we should go live on the YouTube channel. At around like two o'clock Eastern, because the deadline is on Thursday at three o'clock Eastern. I really think we should just get on there. I'll fire up the Xbox. We'll 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 play we'll play some games, and we'll just mm-hmm. sit around and go. Is Mitch Kupchak going to do something? It'll be sort of a Mitch Kupchak do something telethon
0: it's it's become the question now i will not be able to do that is it 3 p.m i know it 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 goes back and forth i know 4 p.m is sometimes a deadline eastern or is it still 4 p.m eastern
1: um you know you now you've got me see you've introduced doubt into my mind i'm pretty sure it is i know that i know i do know that locked on nba's coverage will start at 2 p.m eastern so if you go to the locked on nba youtube channel they are going to do live coverage of the trade deadline there So, you can check that out. Or uh, I'm going to look, I'll just say this. I don't know if Walker's going to be there or not. I will say, I will promise that we will go live at some point, whether it's analyzing something that Mitch has already done, (laughs) fingers crossed. Or it's analyzing whether Mitch actually does something right at the deadline. So, youtube.com forward slash Locked on Hornets podcast. You know the deal. And
0: you, you are right. It's 3 p.m. Eastern. I will not boom! be able to do it because that's when the show ends. So, I will not I be able never, to, never to do doubt, it. I knew it. Never a doubt,
1: actually. I lied. I would never doubted it in my mind. I knew I was right. Okay.
0: Um. Boom. There you go. Um. Last thing here is, uh, man, you talked about late game execution. I was looking at the total free throws against Orlando. They shot under 50% on 23 yeah. attempts, Doug. 47.8%, yeah, 11 of 23. Do you think is there a game that has been that bad from the line on 15 attempts or more this season? I mean, whatever caveat you want to put because that's that's about as bad as it gets. I mean, 47% yeah, well, for a team on over 20 attempts, that's nuts.
1: Well, they were one of 9 in the fourth quarter like yeah. winning time oh, you go God. you miss eight free that's eight points that's nearly a double digit lead that you could have overcome simply if you had hit your free throws yeah it it was terrible uh, orlando's bench was begging for their team to foul Mason Plumley they should have gone to the hack of plumley i don't know what they were afraid of uh, but they had they had shaken mason plumley who we should say for those that are just tuning in mason plumley has been shooting uh, his free throw is better and and simply didn't. And it's just this team is finding ways to lose basketball games. A- and that's, that's where they are. I think that's where they're going to remain. I don't think that it should influence Mitch Kupchak and company to the point where they should just hold steady. I think you still have to go into this trade deadline extremely aggressive, especially with – with Plumley and Ubre, who you're going to probably lose anyway, if you unless you feel like you want to retain either of those players. But mm-hmm. the, you know, try to get what you can get. But if you want to, you know, if you go to Steve Clifford and Steve Clifford says, "Hey, we really need to keep Terry Rozier because if we lose Terry Rozier, this team will roll over and it will have you know really bad effects on the rest of of the roster. If we don't have some kind of heart and soul that can power us through even these losses, you know that's Okay, I mean that's somewhat of a compelling argument especially if you don't have like a seriously good deal for Rozier from a Lakers team or something. You know, I could yeah, I could I guess I could buy that. Uh, but you got to make some other deals.
0: No, yeah, 100%. Like what what is what is the compelling argument as it pertains to culture and keeping that uh, somewhat decent within the locker room. I, I could see that argument because you're talking about finding ways to lose games. I did want to mention the fact that there was a five-second call in the most crucial of times against the Detroit Pistons, where that was something we've seen before in the Steve Clifford era. So that happened as well. All right, Doug, go to the notebook, man. What do you have for us after uh, you watched this weekend? The Hornets go zero two.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was totally about late-game execution, not just from those, you know, the five-second calls or the or the calls at the line. I mean, it was just. You know, bad shot attempts, bad defensive execution, guys getting back cut all over the place. You mentioned uh, Lamelo's defense. I don't know what Zach Lowe said about it, but it. it, You know, again, I I just feel like there are times when Lamelo is super locked in on the defensive end. He can get. He's starting to do the thing that he did last season, which is generate a lot of steals and get the Hornets into the open floor. But it. But it also comes with these moments. There was one particular one that I that I mentioned in my Every Hornets box score. Uh, recap, and I link to it where he just—I mean, I don't even know how to describe what happened. It was a back cut, but it was just so bad that I just don't even know how one could allow that to happen. In uh, and, and so you know, you just have these moments where the Hornets just completely fall asleep on the defensive end. There's no consistency there, and you know, it, it's leading to what we're seeing now.
0: Um, yeah, and so. When I you mentioned the Zach Lowe thing, it's funny because I I clicked on the 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 article and it was a thing that he likes. It's when Lamelo Ball moves it early and then he posts this pass where Lamelo just throws a fireball all the way across court one hand to P.J. Washington in the corner. Oh. And I mean, it's it's a miraculous pass. But so much of the write up is about how Lamelo is shooting a ton. He feels like Lamelo is fifteen percent off balance. Talks about the the team as a whole, that the ending line is the next good Charlotte team, whenever that emerges, should have ball slinging more of this gold. And so even even with some positive, it's like, okay, there's a lot of negative there as well. Um, But yeah, and so uh, we'll see what 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 Lamello can do with a better team around him. But there was there was that late game non-execution against both of these teams. And so even when you lose to Milwaukee and you can talk yourself into Charlotte playing better as a whole, those two games erase any part of that. It really Detroit did it. But Orlando was a nice just uh, finishing up, erasing some of the other stray marks to boot.
1: Yeah, I mean, LaMelo is I think he's obviously hurt in in a number of different areas that that he'll have to address uh, in the offseason. I think he's got to address his dribble, too. I mean, he's getting multiple turnovers at this point every game on carries or travels or something. Look, the league, I think fairly or unfairly, has suddenly shifted into calling these plays, and they're targeting certain players. I mean, there's no doubt about it. I mean, there are a couple of guys in the league that are just getting these calls over and over, and LaMelo is one of them, and he has to address it because, you know, you can't – I just think you can't go into a game spotting a team two or three possessions Mm – on one particular player's dribble. So he has to look at that. I will end on a positive note. There was one thing that I saw in that Magic game that gave me hope for the future, and it was the end of the third quarter. LaMelo and Mark haven't played a ton together just because of how the rotations are set. But LaMelo and Mark got some time on the floor, and at the end of the third quarter, they had back-to-back plays, one where he found Mark for an alley and one where LaMelo threw a pretty amazing pass because it should have been a turnover because of how they were defending it, and they had LaMelo racing towards the baseline. But he gets the pass away, and again, there are these moments where Mark Williams, he he just has these sticky hands. He just throws a hand out there. He's got that crazy long wingspan so he can get to basketballs that other players can't get to, and he just snags it with one hand, brings it down, and is able to finish the layup with a soft touch. So that gives you some hope for the future, and honestly – I say, looking ahead of the trade deadline, whether they move Mason Plumlee or not, I think you got to seriously consider moving him to the bench or sitting him all together because you, we can't do any more of this switching to Nick Richards for like one or two games and then going back to Mark. Mark's obviously the answer here, and I think they need to focus on these last twenty-something games on developing the relate whether whether it leads to good play overall or not they need to focus on developing the relationship of LaMelo Ball and Mark Williams together if that's the future because you don't want to start that next season you want to start that right now and then you know they can work on other stuff in this coming off season but it looked good
0: yeah, and I apologize. It wasn't it wasn't uh, Zach Lowe that mentioned anything about LaMelo's defense. It was 538's Raptor model, both using offense and defense total, and then their war, and then LaMelo being one of the worst defenders in the league. There's a bunch of spurs towards the very bottom, Malachi Branham, McDermott, Keldon Johnson, and then you have LaMelo Ball at like 229 in the league when it comes to just worst defensive numbers according to those stats. And so just was looking at that.
1: Go ahead. The last thing on that, I think you you would see on a better team, if Lamelo was part of a better team, you would see that number naturally get better. His defensive yeah. numbers naturally get better, and here's why. Because teams aren't forcing things against the Charlotte Hornets. They're just playing their – whatever game they want to play, they play it against the Charlotte Hornets. There, there aren't any other defenders on this team that can force them, whether it's at the rim or up top – they cannot force them to play a different kind of game. That's what you saw. That's what Orlando did to Charlotte. That's what Chicago can do to Charlotte. They can force Charlotte to play a completely different game offensively and get guys uh, to play worse offensively than they normally would. The Hornets can't do that. So, a better team around LaMelo, LaMelo, I think, becomes one of the best offensive players in the league. And that defense you would see uh, overall just come up a little bit. And that's all it would take.
0: Well, I mean, yeah, that's exactly why I, I kind of said that with point behind it when I said there's a bunch of spurs towards the bottom. You know, uh, are, are we yeah. going to say that the spurs have three of the, the the bottom four defenders in the league, or is it just an awful defensive team anyway, and everybody is affected by one another? So LaMelo, maybe there's not a lot of Hornets there on that list towards the very, very bottom. But at the same time, we know how bad the Hornets are defensively. And of course, as any catch-all defensive stat is, it is far from perfect by no yeah. means is there a lot of, of stock that you can put in a lot of that but if you cared about it at all just thought i would mention it um all right last thing doug just a uh, final final moments um from you watching this weekend and what you wrote in your notebook uh
1: final thing is that yeah i think it is we'll go back to something we talked about at the beginning of the show i i don't i don't know that it's necessary to take the keys away from from steve clifford at this point i think the the <laughs> I think he's fine to drive. Um, I I think that he's run out of things to say. I think it would probably benefit Clifford somewhat if there was a shakeup because I think it would uh, put a little bit more urgency back into this team and refocus on what they should be focusing on, which is not, you know, winning these games. I'm a little worried about Steve Clifford. I mean, he got so upset at uh, a Gary Harris offensive rebound against Orlando. And Gary Harris – Uh, Not a very tall guy, uh, if you know. Uh, And it was around P.J. and Mason. Neither went after the ball. Like, they just didn't go after the ball. Gary Harris got the offensive rebound. I thought Steve Clifford uh, was going to just absolutely – I thought he was going to get himself kicked out of the game for yelling at his own team. Which I think would be a first in NBA history: getting yourself thrown out of a game, getting technicals because you're yelling at your own team. I mean, yeah. cover your ears if you're in the first couple of rows because he was just absolutely cursing Mason Plumley out. And so I'm I'm worried about Steve. I think if you're the organization, if you lo- if you love Steve, if you care about Steve, you know we know that Cupcheck uh, gave him an apartment or some weird story that they told at the beginning of the season. Oh, right? Yeah. If you love if you love Steve Clifford, shake this thing up, baby, because this is not, it's not working.
0: All right. Thanks for making Locked On Hornets your first listen today. Make your second listen. Game to game NBA. Every moment, every top performance, every result locked on game to game covers every game from across the NBA with local analysis that only locked on can deliver. Follow game to game on locked on NBA available on the Odyssey app, YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. We'll keep you updated on everything revolving around the trade deadline Thursday, February nine. As you know, The deadline now hits at 3 p.m. Tune into Locked On NBA on YouTube, 2 p.m. Eastern time for their reaction on all of the trades that are coming in right at the deadline. Thanks again for hopping on with us. Have a great rest of your day. We'll be back with you tomorrow.